Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I used to do these weird Airbnb host sort of guided runs. Yeah. And I, because I lived up the road, I sort of pieced together this little route. Of so where, where did you live? I lived up just off Holloway Road. Okay. So I sort of pieced together this route, which is pretty much, well, 90% off-road. Yeah. And uh, takes in some really nice little hidden enclaves of North London. Well, that's a great thing. I'm just going to bring everyone up to speed. The voice you can hear, dear listener, is Gavin Boyter joining me for one of our interview specials. Writer, runner, ultra runner. Sometimes. And yeah, (laughs) as you were saying, you you know, this is really nice because we're running basically, well, paths that are familiar to both of us. But you've got the, uh, you've got the facts. So we're setting off (laughs) past the reservoirs, um, east and west, off the green lanes, and we're going to head, well, you'll take, so that's just one of the things um, that's exciting about our journey today. But yeah, so Airbnb tours, you've got, uh, yeah, when was this and what did you do? Well, it was um, it's about three years ago now, I think, I, well, maybe actually a year ago, and a year and a half ago they stopped, but I started about three years ago. Yeah. And uh, basically, you would... Um, have a group of people who are sort of either visiting London or new to the area or yep. just keen runners who want to try something else. And you'd uh, take them on a little tour of somewhere that you knew very well. And so did you combine them. the concept of running with the Airbnb, like at the booking stage? Uh, well, the Airbnb handled all the bookings and all that stuff. And yeah. All you have to do as the host is bring the local expertise. So I would right. kind of bore them by telling them that this, for example, is the new river, which is neither new nor a river. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very old canal, right? Yeah, 1604, I think yeah, it was yeah. built. And I used to tell them the very, well, what I thought was an interesting engineering fact, which is that it's sort of 30 miles long, goes all the way out to Hertfordshire. Yeah. And in that 30 miles, it only drops by eight meters. <laughs> so if you imagine trying to engineer that, 400 400, yeah, 400 odd years ago. Was it? Yeah, you, did you say 1604? <laughs> yeah, 1604. They had yeah, to yeah. get James I, I think it was, to give a royal decree to force all the landowners to <laughs> allow the engineers in over their fields. Um, on threat of being locked in the tower or something. Yeah, um, what's his <laughs> name? Is this uh, Hugh Middleton? Yeah. Was the engineer. And if you want to see him, there's a statue on Islington Green. All oh, right. I didn't know that. Yeah, there you go. 
So anyway, but the thing is, I had all these facts prepared and <laughs> had a little laminated card I made so I could jog my memory. Yep. And actually, what people wanted to talk about most of the time was running <laughs> <laughs> and tell me about all their adventures. And I had all my adventure stories to give them as well. So well, I was going to say, your adventure stories <laughs> are something. But you have definitely come to the right place with me because I want to know the facts. Yeah. So we're going to talk about your, all your incredible running. And, uh, but if we do pass something that you was, was on your laminated card, <laughs> please, please tell me. Because Actually, if nothing else, I'll be lifting your information and yeah. hitting other people with it for decades to come. Laminated card is a bit of a grandiose term. Actually, it was more like a corrugated piece of cardboard wrapped in sellotape. <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of the level of That's the, the same uh, thing. level my, of the uh, I was providing. My parkrun barcode is, uh, is uh, sellotaped <laughs> to an old... Um, yeah. coffee shop loyalty card and people are like oh where'd you get that it's like I literally <laughs> cacked it together in my own <laughs> <Why not>? hall <laughs> one rainy morning when I knew the bit of paper well, would be destroyed here's the thing I just did my first oh, wait till we get past the uh, get past the strimmer <laughs> watch out for the rake <laughs> Okay. That, that would be a real classic comedy a moment there. Golden opportunity for slapstick. I can't believe I missed it. I should have just stood on the end of the rake and <laughs> given it whoosh, like a sideshow Bob in The Simpsons. We'll call this the Harold Lloyd, Lloyd Memorial Run. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Later on, we're going to climb up the side of a building and hang off a clock. <laughs> right. So you were saying? Yeah. What was I saying? Oh, yes, yeah, so I went on my first park run just Saturday. Just this Saturday, just yeah. gone. I don't know well, what I've been doing myself, right? It's now. not really your distance, is it? <laughs> I, I used to run 5Ks when I was part of a running club, but I'd forgotten how horrible it is. Oh, it's <laughs> yeah. a tough, tough run. Yeah, Me and Paul fast. were saying when uh, we went to the first one back, it was really joyous, and we, we had to admit that that feeling of joy actually <laughs> during the 5K was not what we were used to from parkrun. Yeah. Normally you look forward to it and feel very pleased with it afterwards. But during, it's a war of attrition, really. You keep having that thought. All right, so I volunteered for this, and the better I do, the worse it's going to feel. And you sort of think, there's not many things in life like that, really. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> true. We're just crossing um, from the west reservoir to the east reservoir. Yep. This is Woodbury Down. Famous to hopefully, uh, I think it's open. If it's open, we'll do a little. You're not allowed to run, are we? Oh no, no, this is uh, long term listeners will know this. Runners are, are no. rejected. Well, we maybe walk or something. We can walk round. You're the ultra runner walking and running <laughs> works together, yeah. right? Oh, yeah, I know because last time I came here, they didn't have that. I guess it's a covered. Do you want to go? Let's go this side and stay running. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Running. Sorry about it, but it's, it's good in a way because it's a little. We'll just, if Paul was here, he'd be spitting. We'll make up egrets and. Mont Jack Deer. And oh, look! <laughs> is that an armadillo? <laughs> is this the way to armadillo? Um, so, as we pass, as we run disappointingly along the uh, north edge of the... Oh, look, Swan and Signets, I'm oh, not yeah. lying. Oh, that's worth Oh, that's a photo, photo opportunity, isn't it? Teenage Signets. Watch out there. Listen mm. carefully, you can hear them literally squeaking. Yeah, they're totally teenage, aren't they? They're all fluffy. Brilliant. There's a family. The other swan's gone off over there for... Bit of private moment in the woods. Sorry, sorry to disturb. Actually, yeah. And there's a baby coot up there on that. No, I want one as well. Yeah. God, that once was an ugly duckling. These guys are going to suddenly going to look really good. They're going to pull a kind of Nicholas Holt. <laughs> these swans any day now, and just that. Wait a minute, you're gorgeous. Yeah. So, what part part of the reason to come out to these places is to encounter a bit of nature in the middle of the city, and it's kind of astonishing that you've got something like this amongst the uh, built-up. 
North London of Finsbury Park and so forth. Absolutely. I often joke um, that um, Victorians were amazing at laying out running routes. Of yeah, course, as you rightly say, these roads was quite long predate that. But canals and, and railways, just superb. But let's, uh, talking yeah. of seeking out the good routes, I want to jump to, first of all, your um, first uh, running book, yes. uh, Downhill From Here. That's, uh, you ran from John O'Groats to Land's End? Is, have I got yeah. that the right way around? Yeah, and I... Um, I mean, <laughs> when was this I, and why did you do this it? This was 2015. And I have to say, I had absolutely no intention of beating any records, <laughs> except for perhaps being the slowest. Because uh, I always describe myself as an ordinary, ordinary runner. And I'm not just... It's not false modesty. I'm not a fast runner. I've, I think I won one fun run <laughs> back years ago. But usually I don't trouble the... Uh, top 10% of any race at all. Right, right. So, I just wanted to have an amazing time. We, of course, all think this is modesty and you're incredible running. <laughs> you certainly have a facility for distance. But well, yeah, okay. anyway. I'm dogged. I don't, I don't <laughs> tend to give up. But yeah, I just wanted to experience the country on foot, explore places I've never been before and yep. uh, revisit a few I had when I was a kid. Had you, uh, were you always a runner? No, here's the weird thing. I, I mean, at school, I was not at all athletic. Well, I say that. I hated team sports. I, didn't, I used to run away from the ball, you know. Right. And, uh, so not so much the sport, uh, the athletics as the sports that didn't work for you. Yeah, but my school, I just... I, I, maybe she can keep denigrating them everywhere, but <laughs> they're perfectly good now. I think they've got a good sporting record now, but they weren't very good for uh, athletics. They didn't have any facilities. Mm. Just a fairly run-down comprehensive school at the time. Where was this? In Edinburgh. Yep. Um, definitely I think it's reps gone up since then but, uh, so they took us on exactly one cross country run <laughs> yeah. and I came second and I actually quite enjoyed it Yeah, yeah. and while there's other kids bunking off and having fags behind bushes and stuff and maybe even teachers thinking yeah. you're not supposed <laughs> to enjoy it and it was raining I, think, yeah. I seem to remember I thought you know what this is quite good I feel quite alive and yeah you know, I'm just enjoying being out and about and doing something very different. That's great. But there was no encouragement. It's like, we only did it that once. Yeah. And, you know, I was just like a shy 13-year-old. I didn't know to look for running clubs. I don't think I even knew they existed. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, fast forward to my 30s. and No, actually, at university, I did a little bit of fitness running around a local, around the meadows in Edinburgh. Oh, yeah. You probably know that because you'll yeah, yeah. be quite familiar with Edinburgh, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> my, my favourite run, I've quite often stayed at the um, Sheens at the oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, east end of the meadows. So the uh, run out of town. The Sri Chinmoy, three-quarter mile or whatever it used to be called. Right. Around the meadows. So we did that, me and my flatmates, two or three times a week. And we even got competitive and had a little chart of our times. But it sort of fell by the wayside. Yep after I left university and it was only in my mid 30s that I sort of began to feel naturally like I'm slowing down a bit and you know you get you're just not going to get any fitter unless you start doing something about it yeah so. yeah yeah you can't rely on it anymore unless you uh, unless yeah. you curate it absolutely so I can't remember what, what inspired me to start running but I started running just for fitness just going to the local park and doing a circuit or two was that now were you in London by now well, yeah that was uh I was living in Hanwell, so... Oh, out, out west? Go, yeah, I used to go and run around Elthorne Park, and uh, this is the tricky, dangerous bit. We might have to... Yeah, <laughs> this might take a while. <laughs> Just crossing the Seven Sisters Road. <laughs> and then in a minute, we'll be able to run 
got that great view across Alexandra Palace, but we've got to I listen to some trucks a little crossing for. I think so. <laughs> you know. Or maybe they could do something with the canal so you could go under the tunnel. Yeah, that'd be handy. Um, when you're out in... Oh, oh my voice <laughs> went funny. Little oh. camp moment for me. I, when you're out in Hanwell, did you used to get along the towpath over there? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. So that's that where was, there's what, a... You're talking what? of uh, uh, ascent and, and uh, engineering. There's a big uh, line of locks over in Hanwell, yes, isn't there? Yes, so it's like, so, I don't know, 15 or something in a row? Yeah, yeah. Like, um, I used to love the fact that I could... Well, I could walk faster than the narrow boats, but I could certainly <laughs> run faster than them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I had a plan years ago to run from Leeds to Liverpool and get my family oh, yeah. to support me in a narrow boat, and I suddenly realised that I'd be waiting for them all the time. <laughs> That's not, that yeah. doesn't work. Oh, you get the paints in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Or just go really slow and behind them yeah. and just suck on diesel all the way. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, you started running around, running around the park. Yeah, and... Um, and then I, you know, as you do, I thought, well, I should do something with this running. What's the best run? Oh, maybe the London Marathon. That'll be fun. Yeah. Naively not knowing how difficult it is to get into the London Marathon. <laughs> but I got in through the lottery first time. Brilliant. Shit. So it isn't difficult to get in. You were able to <laughs> climb. Well, back then it was. It was yeah. I suppose that was uh, 2004, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like quadrupled in, in difficulty since then. Oh, here yeah. we get some lovely mud. Oh, yeah, this, this is... A <laughs> It's sometimes Part one to the avoid. Joy of this section. We're actually, this is this mud is very specific because we're on the <laughs> bit of the of the uh, New River that goes from Seven Sisters Road down to Finsbury Park, and uh, there's been so much kind of flash flooding recently that it's muddy, but it's surfacial, so we can wow. skate round here. Surfacial, yeah, I'm pleased with that. I should have brought my. Um... In fact, with this mud, you probably could have a facial. <laughs> should have brought my uh, trail shoes. Up, which is well, I know I've seen. I've seen uh, pictures of your pan-European run, and you've been through some cold weather on that. But we'll get to that. Yes. I'm jumping ahead. I know. I'm London I'm Marathon. London Marathon. I'm trying, trying. Be concise, Gavin. Yeah. Um, yeah, There's so no need. We're going for a long run. <laughs> <laughs> Tell so it it's going to end up 95 miles at least, right? So, oh, lovely. I'm going to get a mud shot as well. So, bear with me. Squelch. There he goes. Shouldn't really try and get through it and take the picture <laughs> at the same time. That would be disastrous. And you can see the new river there. Of course, they didn't have any... It's all algae. They didn't have any... What's the word? Uh, they couldn't do the metal work. It was all wood at the base of yeah. the new river. You've set me off now. Right, talking uh, new I'm river info. <laughs> He's gone round. He did, a ba- he did the bank bend there. That was the ambitious. Bank. Is that or, or into the canal on the right? There's no way to look particularly masculine whilst <laughs> we're negotiating this market. Well, it's been a, an, an enjoyably uh, camp element to the last few minutes, one that neither of us were expecting. It's me going, ooh, and, and you doing a little bit of a little nice flap up the side there. Yeah, it was great. Enjoyed it. So, um, yes, marathon. Um, so that was the first time I ran with another human. Yeah. <laughs> Since I was at university. And uh, uh, I both loved and hated it in the sense that I did quite well. I was trying for under three hours, which, again, I didn't know through my naivety. is very difficult. That's you're in the super top, ambitious, like yeah. 4% or something stupid. Yeah. Um, so I did 3.16. Three, three wow. But I had such... I don't know what happened. It hasn't happened since. I had such a terrible... I think it might have been hypoglycemia or something, but I basically collapsed into a portal feeling like the world was ending. During or after? After. Yeah. And like an idiot, I didn't go and see the St. John's Ambulance. <laughs> yeah. I just sat there with like agony all over my whole body. Yeah, yeah, like some kind of body shock. Yeah. 
And then it, it did slowly drift away. And of course, I thought, like everyone does, I'm never doing that again. Yes. Yeah. Two weeks later, <laughs> I'm thinking, hmm, I think with a bit more focus training, I could beat that time. So that got me into the world of long distance running. Once the pain subsided. Yeah. We obviously have some mental capacity to forget pain. Yes, that's Otherwise, right. women would never have more than one child. No, well, I was just going to say that running along the canal, I remember, you know, without any... Um, deep details. My uh, son, who's 16 now, GCSE results today. His oh, birth was, you know, like many a birth, was, you know, fraught with drama, really traumatic day and a half. And yeah, we were out about six weeks later in the park and we saw some ducklings. And my wife kind of went, oh. <laughs> and I was like, really? <laughs> so, yeah, very similar to you. Yeah, saying, you, get, well, you, you know what I want? Wanted I, duckling, yeah. I need to be in agony in a portal again as soon as possible. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, I did it again the next year. And I beat my time. But here's the thing. With the worst possible strategy. So, <laughs> Look at that hair on my bed. Oh, yeah, there's... Lovely. What was the strategy? The strategy was run like a maniac in the first half. <laughs> so I set off full of exuberance, way too fast, not really yeah, paying yeah, attention yeah, to yeah. my running watch. Got to the first half at 122. <laughs> <laughs> like, Good Lord. I actually saw some of the people from my running club. So I joined a running club by then, which is part of the reason why I was so enthusiastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. I got it, I got it. Action Typical shot. London herons, not bothered. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> not scared of you at all. Um, yeah, so... Saw people when you're running up. Their, their looks were sort of partially encouragement, partially sort of bewilderment. Yeah, yeah. It's like just worry. Yes. <laughs> and I thought, mm, I should slow down a bit. And in fact, I didn't have a choice. My body just couldn't cope with that pace. And I lost about... God, it must be an average of one and a half minutes a mile. Uh, and by the end... But here's the thing. I ran it in 3.11. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, people. Yep. Handy hint. Always run the first half marathon twice as fast as the second. <laughs> well, I have, <laughs> I have my marathon tactic hasn't really uh, developed from that either. You know, I just run and then try and hold, you know. But yeah. I did that. Probably my worst one marathon was coming back from injury in New York. And I didn't have the miles in my legs. And I got all excited and ran the first half. Maybe the first 16 at a great pace. And, um, and then, yeah... I mean, I, I walked in the second yeah. half, I was broken. And I got that message from uh, Sophie Rayworth saying, what were you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> Which is nice, mm. really supportive. So Sometimes is that your marathon PB? Yes, and I, I never betted it. The next time I tried, I think Oh, look, there's a fence in the park. Hopefully we can circumnavigate it to yeah, the Yeah, right. I usually go sort of oh, kind uh, of along the line yeah, of the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Along there and sort of just keep around on the right-hand side. Someone's built something in Frinsley Park. Maybe they're having a festival. A yeah, I think there's tents or something behind it. It's going to be tense for us if we can't get through. <laughs> hey. Oh, no. <laughs> so, so, yeah, 3.11. Yeah. 3.11. Uh, next, the next time I did it was 3.17. Was that the next year? Was that 2005? No, uh, three years later. Okay. So I'm, I'm getting towards 40 at that point. And from then on, I just sort of started slowing down. But whilst training for that race, I, I was running along the canal from Brentford up towards well, Birmingham eventually. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I saw these groups of... Um, older runners and they were they were running at our pace that we're doing now having a chat you know yeah like this is i don't know what i've done to the priority of these lights but it's not changing um yeah and um i thought what kind of they're wearing race number so i knew it was a race and i thought what kind of race is that where you can just sort of basically go at walking pace and have a chat cruise and chat that doesn't yeah. seem right but then i asked one of the marshals standing by a bridge 
Um, what, what kind of race is this? You said it's Ching to Town. And they're running away from London. And I thought, well, I don't know where Ching is, but I know it's nowhere near London. That's a long race. So yeah, 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 40 yeah. miles. Yep. Right. And she said, oh, yeah, and this is the Sunday. So they're actually, these are the keen people who are running back the next day. Wow. <laughs> okay. So that's like 80 miles. Uh, yeah. And I'd never heard of, I'd never heard of ultra running because it was back then. I think it was, I mean, that's only about, um, what, seven, eight years ago. Yeah. It was still quite a niche thing. Yeah, sure. And, the, you know, the, now it's really exploded. But um, back then. Yeah, only a few nut jobs knew about it. <laughs> it's nice to hear the word nut job. I haven't heard that for a while. <laughs> Do you know, it's really strange. Again, I'm sort of jumping ahead here, but it feels all very kind of auspicious. The yeah. fact that you know, it's great for me to meet you and hear your stuff because there's lots of corollaries with my running journey, but, um, but specifically about to uh, address the issue of ultras. <laughs> but I'm uh, doing my first... Uh, the other thing, of course, is writing. And yeah. I'm doing my very first uh, literary event on uh, on Saturday. Guess where it is? Uh, I don't know. West London. Tring. <laughs> Tring. Oh, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Weird so serendipity. Now I'm thinking I should just run home. Yeah, that's just good run down training. The canal. Just run back. Or run run up there, and then you'll have plenty of space around you. Yeah, that's giving right. you a talk. I run up there, and that'll be <laughs> nice and late for my talk. Mm. So, um, yeah, this isn't as muddy as the other bit. It's dried out a bit, yeah. but we are finding our is way this, around. Is this what uh, fell runners call clag? Is it? <laughs> so, like, I don't know what it is, but they have this word clag, and I suspect yeah, yeah. it means some sort of sticky mud that's not really an issue. Yeah, I think also that might be connected to the kind of mud you see at the back of sheep, but that's not really mud. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Although the Australian word for that is dag, so dag. it's daggy and claggy is what I'm saying. <laughs> So did you, you, you saw these, t it's interesting what you said, because I hadn't thought of that, but it's true that ultra running is a, something that the world perceives is, is new, isn't yeah. it? Well, obviously people like Dean Karnazes and Scott Jurek yep. are sort of the, the famous legends of ultra running, and they run fast. Yeah. And... Uh, but also, um, interestingly, because you, like you say, you identify as an ordinary runner. Yeah. And... Um, uh, those guys, it's more, it's a more almost old-fashioned idea of extreme, they're more, they're in a lineage that goes with kind of people who climbed Everest and, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know, yeah, Trailblazers and they wanted to, Trailblazers, yes. They, want, they wanted to uh, beat records and get fastest known times on trails and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Now, interestingly, Dean Karnazes, because he's in his mid-50s, has pivoted more to, uh, you know, experiential adventure running and obviously he's not going to break any of his records now but yeah well probably anyone else's unless actually he would in his age category <laughs> still <laughs> yeah, but uh, absolutely <clears throat> so uh, he was a big inspiration i discovered ultra running partly on the canal towpath and partly in the bookshop <laughs> yeah yeah went to the running section went, oh gosh there are yeah what's dean's book called again uh, Ult uh ultra marathon man was his first and sort of That's his right. bestseller that yeah I've read that yeah sort of got a lot of people into ultra running but it, just the very fact I was going to say that it's driving to be superhuman uh, yeah. <laughs> ultra marathon man is not quite the same thing as saying I'm an ordinary <coughs> ultra runner well, I mean, <laughs> but given that the first time he did an ultra he'd never run for years yeah and it was his 30th birthday and he just decided to run to the coast from somewhere in LA or something and he yeah. ended up 30 miles away <laughs> so he clearly was a person with a propensity for it yeah 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 unusual body unusual ability to endure so physical and psychological so my thinking was okay I'm not going to get faster but maybe I'm the kind of person who could run 
for a long time and just <laughs> plod along and enjoy the experience, take some photographs, you know. Yep. Enjoy the travel aspect of running. Well, exactly. Again, this is something that appeals to me right from the beginning. You're thinking about where you are, you know, to actually be a, a tourist of running, to, to be on towpaths, but also to see, I don't know, mountains, the seaside, yeah. run around a reservoir if you're allowed. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, some of the, and that's why when I did John O'Groats to Land's End, I deliberately picked out a route that was far from the quickest. Um, because I wanted to run the Great Glen Way, uh -huh. the West Highland Way. The Great Glen that follows the uh, uh, where uh, Loch Ness and the canals, and then through to yeah. Loch Linny. Is that so, right? So just outside Inverness. Yeah. And basically follows the well, it follows the line of the that slash of canals and locks, but it also goes up. You have a choice at many points to go up or down. I see. And I chose to go up because that's where you get the best views. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, well, it went mostly well, apart from the time I got lost around a Scottish taking the wrong turning <laughs> near Loch Ness, yep. somehow losing Loch Ness, which is possibly the largest object anyone's ever lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And ending up in the middle of a sort of forestry plantation with no paths, sun going down. I feel like you must have been <laughs> a bit tired. I was a little bit. I'd been running for 11 hours at that point. And... I won't go into huge detail, but actually there's a film, a little video clip online, so if you can find it. Uh, but I basically, I was talking to my uh, GoPro, which I had with me, because I wanted to film this whole experience. Yeah. And I started using it like a, a confidant or some sort of helpline. So I had no, no reception got, on my phone. I've got the Blair Witch Project in there. <clears throat> yeah. Like if anyone finds this kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And then finally, I'm running along, well, not running, I'm now sort of limping alongside this massive river, it's like 40 feet wide. This is Scotland in September, so yeah. it's pretty cold already. It gets yep. down to zero in the evening um, in the Highlands. And I realize I'm gonna have to cross this river. <laughs> I haven't found a bridge. And obviously, it's pretty deep and fast flowing, but <laughs> maybe I could just wade across it. Oh my word. I've got my iPhone and my, all my electronics in one hand above my head. And I just sort of march out <laughs> and it gets deeper, it goes up to my waist, and then it's up to my chest, and then it's up to my neck. And at that point, uh, I, think I, I remember speaking the immortal line, the good news is, and then there's no good news, basically. My feet are swept away from me by the oh, no. current. I start swimming with one oh, arm, kicking up. my legs, doing a weird backstroke. Yep. And meanwhile, I'm still filming, so I'm actually filming... Um, I'm actually filming away from me, so what you get is the sound of a man panicking as he potentially drowns, yeah. accompanied by the visual of a beautifully placid Scottish mountain uh, <laughs> river. So, whoop. And then, <laughs> to make matters worse, when I finally get to the bank, I swim through a massive cloud of midges. Yeah, oh, wow. Like, swallow about 20 of them. And then all the wood's rotten. You've never heard so much swearing in your life. When I bleeped the video, I had to bleep it like 19 times. <laughs> Anyway, it's uh, all fun and games. Bleak permit. So, yeah, apart from that near-death experience, the rest of the Great Glen Way was, was stunning, very beautiful. And actually, maybe more so now, but not then, it wasn't very well known. It's yeah. only been open as an official trail about maybe seven or eight years at that point. 
Uh, just a little geographical note. You might be able to hear a slight nice trailiness under our feet. We've just come up the hill in Frindley Park and taken a right onto the uh, legendary park and walk. Legendary for listeners because me, I'm always, because it goes past Paul's house. So I'm always coming up here and meeting him. And... Uh, and uh, still going strong. It's nice. It's raining slightly, which I wasn't yeah, expecting. Yeah, this is a so. pleasant sort of it is. It's quite misty cool, drizzle. Mizzle. So, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, I think it's a mizzle. So we're basically, so far, we've had clag and mizzle. Yeah. Which is also a great crime fighting tip. <laughs> clag. <laughs> um, so you, um, what, you said you didn't take, you, you basically took the scenic route from John yeah. Groats to Land's End. By the way, I don't know if you know this, do you know Neil Russell? Uh, he's running right now. Oh, he's running from John O'Groats to Land's End. I think I've yeah. And he's I got Parkinson's on social media. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we interviewed him a couple of weeks ago. <coughs> he's doing great. He's um, I think he's got to kind of where he lives, which is Worcestershire. All right. So he's done That's Scotland and yeah. the north. Yep. And uh, going strong. Most of the tough bits. <laughs> yeah. But so how how far was it when you did it? How so long I, did you take over? I chose 1107. Well, I thought it was an 1100 mile route. But with my navigational abilities, I did another 74 to that. <laughs> oh, no. So, uh, and yeah, it took me uh, 48 days. I had about three or four days off, uh-huh. mostly due to injury, because I had a lot of injury. Um, I'm doing, um, trying to do the mental maths. What's your average daily mileage on that then? I think I did about 27. Yeah, wow. So just, just slightly over a marathon, something like that. Um, and how did that, do you, it just right on the ground, how did it feel to take that feeling? What are the similarities and differences between smashing out 26.2 miles in as little time as possible yeah. and running that long, taking your time, knowing you've got to do it again the next day? Well, yeah, you, you become very aware of the cost-benefit analysis of running, of, you know, I could speed up now and I'd be finished an hour earlier. But that will cost me in terms of yeah. energy levels, and I, I'm going to need them tomorrow because I'm going over the Pennines. You have those thoughts. And yeah, yeah. But then the amazing thing I discovered, which was a revelation, was how well my body was able to adapt. So even though I probably hadn't trained as much as I should, <laughs> and I also didn't mention I got injured two days before the start oh of this. Oh, my goodness. Did my knee in, oh no. had to go to physio, and she said basically... If you weren't running from trying to go to the in, I would obviously advise you to rest this, <laughs> elevate it, ice it, all the rest. Yeah. Since you're not going to do that, uh, the good news is it's not, it's not a dangerous ailment, but it's going to hurt. Yeah. <laughs> it is. But anyway, I had a lot of injuries. So you were just going to say the good news is and just leave it there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there isn't <laughs> Becoming any. a tradition. <laughs> so, yeah, so that was... Uh, and the injuries that troubled you along the way, were they different ones or was it a recurring thing? Well, what I discovered, I, had to, I did have something, and I think it's this right ankle. Um, it sort of swelled up like a giant fleshy donut mm-hmm. with a lovely... Sounds delicious. A lovely accompanying sort of source of, of pain, yeah. which flared up my shin and mm-hmm. affected my gait and that led on to other... You know, because when you've got a sore... I'm sure all runners know this one. One part of you starts hurting. Yeah. Just if you keep running, you're going to run differently. Yeah, you're referring the pain. Yeah, you're just sort of transferring the, transferring the anguish somewhere else. But, but yeah, I kept going, and amazingly, and again, this is not sensible medical advice, it just got better. Yeah. It just got better. I mean, it just somehow, 
went away. And yeah, yeah. I can't really account for that, except the body has an amazing array of tricks up its sleeve if it needs to. Yeah, and also maybe don't try this at home. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> if you're experiencing regular injury, <laughs> consult a doctor or physio. <laughs> so, and in terms of uh, writing about it, did you plan that all along? Did you make notes? Did you have a journal? Did you think, you know what? That's a hell of a story. Oh, right. I suppose you took your GoPro. Yeah. So you were well, planning on documenting your mission. I planned to make a movie, which ah. I am still planning to finish. Oh, nice. But I ended up shooting 450 hours. Yeah. Uh, and got so it down to five. That's, that's impressive. <laughs> it's a five-hour epic at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clearly, no one's going to want to watch a five-hour movie about... I don't know, I think running. you'd be surprised. Us runners would probably dig in, but I know what you mean. You yeah. probably want to get it down to well, feature length. I might have like a... A runner's cut or something, <laughs> and then uh, a releasable version for film festivals. Because there's like trail running film festivals now. That's how big yeah, wow. the whole trail running, ultra running world is. Yeah. Um, particularly in the and States. it is a different angle, because like you say, there's a really nice um, juxtaposition. I mean, obviously, immediately, your running is uh, impressive. You've hit some brilliant dots in terms of distance and, and other more kind of uh, lyrical achievements. But there's still this sense of, you know, uh, Britishness, Europeanness. It's not about it's not about going in the des- desert and yeah. breaking yourself on the wheel, you know. Well, there are and many. Even when you do, you're like, oh, I didn't mean to do that. These yeah. bleeping midges, you know. It's, it's yeah. So I knew the one thing I had going for me, even when I had no phone signal for most of the journey, was <laughs> I'm in Britain. I'm never going to be more than maybe I don't know. 10 miles from a town or a house. Yeah, yeah. particularly once you get out of Scotland. Yeah. You basically get stuck somewhere you can go, help, and someone will come. <laughs> yeah, which I, which I had to on that, on that, the end of that crossing the river journey is that I knocked on the door of a, a, a house at the end of a tiny hamlet. Wow. And an 84-year-old lady, Sheila, <laughs> uh, actually, very kindly, after getting over her fear of a a sweaty, dripping man appearing out door door in Lycra. <laughs> um, she gave me a lift back to the uh, nearest town where, fortunately, my dad, having tried everything else, having practically scrambled the jet, wow. not, not a jet, a helicopter, yeah, yeah. Uh, was waiting. So, anyway. Wow, that sounds like something out of a John Buchan that's book. That's But, yeah, so, the gist of that, basically what I'm saying is, you're probably not going to die. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're probably going to have nothing worse than injury, frustration, Exhaustion, all those. It's a certain perspective, though, yeah. isn't it, that thinks of the whole of Britain as a safe space? Pretty much, pretty <laughs> much. Uh, however, when I came to the next one, now, is this where the Spriggan is? Do you know the Spriggan? Yeah, we're just about to get to it. Not, not quite yet. <laughs> I was like, it's the, next, it's the next arches. We're nice. just getting to, um, yeah, it's good, isn't it? We're getting to the, there's new graffiti on these, uh, hmm. this bridge we're getting under on the park and walk. Because they're boxed it in, because they're, re- they're re-strengthening all the bridges. Yep. But we're also, know? then we're going to go past two things. The, uh, the green man, what do you call it? The spriggan? The spriggan. The green demon. Yeah. And, uh, but also, perhaps most exciting of all, just up there through those trees, Paul Tonkinson's house. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, He's there. Deniflect in that direction. He's there as we speak, nursing his groin. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Too much and, information, but anyway. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, our listeners are used to it. But, uh, <laughs> um, but it's a, I'm jumping ahead, but you've got a quote from Paul. Yes. On your, on your he very kindly, uh, because I think he, we share a publisher or had done so, or an agent, one of the two things. And 
he very kindly agreed to read my book and write a little quote, which, uh, yeah, definitely helped, I think. It's a lovely quote. I remember it. Inspiring. Makes you want to get into a new sense of adventure. He says, like that, yeah. he says it better than that, but that's what he says, and yeah. he should know. Yeah, so, so basically, after going back to ordinary running and occasional race, uh, I began to get so itchy feet to have another adventure, and it came to a point where uh, I was taking redundancy from a job in the NHS because, uh-huh. well, was that that time or was that at the time? Gosh, I get confused now. Well, but basically, enough. I was between jobs, yep. <laughs> and uh, I was quite happy about it, to be honest. And I, yeah. I had a little well, it sounds like you've got a lot on. You, if you're yeah. working for the NHS, making films and writing and, writing and running. Yeah, it's tough to And also yeah. running miles and miles. It takes time. Yeah, so I've got time to focus on the running. Oh, here's, here's the spring. Here he is. Oh, shit. No, I think it's he. There we go. <laughs> I, look, I managed to Google that, and there's a, a story behind it. Do you know about the, no, go on. the goat man? Ah. Well, there was a... Children in the 70s living around this area used to scare each other with stories about a goat man. Oh my <laughs> like goodness. Part man, part goat, wandering these lanes at night. <laughs> and it, apparently it was based on some form of truth. And the truth behind it is there did used to be a sort of urban farm in the 60s. Uh-huh. And well, probably some alternative commune, you know, yeah. power, power thing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And this guy had lots of goats, and he did used to walk his goats up and down. So probably the first child to refer to him as the goat man just meant he was a man with goats. <laughs> right, right. Like most urban myths that sort of took on a... Yeah. Took on a but the other thing is, thing of, of course, for decades, this was a real um, absolute no-man's land, you know, terrible place to yeah. be. It was just basically that, yeah. derelicts and closed. The, the, uh, the railway... Unlike a lot of these railways, this railway never really opened. Yeah, there was it the was war stopped it, didn't it? The war stopped it, yeah. exactly. And, uh, and then it sat, I think, till, well, certainly for 50 years. And then and people started, brave souls started using it as a, you know, a place to walk and run and, and walk dogs and stuff. And then it gradually just modulated from... A terrifying place to get murdered to a place where <laughs> everyone walks nice dogs and goes murdered. for a run. And yeah, there's uh, it's quite hard I think it's now a very, probably one of the commonest routes for local uh, people training for races because you can get a decent distance. It's about three miles end to end. Yeah. And it's, it's a gentle incline, but you don't really feel it too no. much. Yeah. Absolutely. I was just going to say that, that there's a lot of truth in that joke about engineers creating great running routes because, of course, the great trick of railways and canals is that they have to avoid going up and down, Yeah. which makes them... I mean, particularly oh. this route, this, like you say, three miles straight out northwest through London. If you took any other route, you'd go up and down two or three hills. Yeah. And I've run up... Uh, that, that road to Archway. Yeah. And, gosh, that isn't fun. Yeah. <laughs> Again, cutting up to Highgate, that's the one I hate. Or I used to do it for hill training, but, gosh. Yeah, sometimes when I run with Paul on the other bit of the park and walk out through the tunnel into Alexandra Palace Park, you get to the park and you turn left down to the Victoria Stakes pub and then run back up, run back up Muswell Hill. And it's not a big hill, but it's quite the pull. Are you, t- are you telling me you can actually go through the tunnel? 
because <laughs> I've never gone as far as the tunnel. <laughs> Seriously, I thought it was close. Oh, yeah, no, not, it's a, it's a different tunnel. <laughs> ah, I'd love it if this tunnel was open at the top of this stretch. Well, I think it just went to Highgate and then the yeah, I mean, was a Northern Line extension, wasn't it? I think. That's right, and it would have connected into the station there, but instead they've closed it down and handed it over wholesale to the bats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, the little yeah, tunnel I was talking about is over there. We have bat tours, apparently, of Highgate to Wood, which we're hopefully going to, if you've still got energy, do a little tour of. Well, <laughs> I feel good, and I've got a feeling you've got a few more miles, a few more hundred miles, a few thousand yeah, more miles in your legs. Yeah, my not today, so that's nice. I so, terrain's helping. So, did you say, right, that film's too long, I'll write a book of it? How, how did the <laughs> yeah, pretty much. downhill from here? Yeah, I just... I, I, Good title, by the way. Yeah, we're referring to the north, sister, south, sister, sense, sense of hill. suggested that because I, I like the sort of sort of comic uh, undertones to it, and it's definitely it's not a deadly serious book. It's uh, yeah. you know you won't find endless tips about uh, you know your uh, lactic threshold and. Your, <laughs> Although they are one of my favourite bands, <laughs> like Tick Threshold, yeah. of those long prog albums from the 70s. Yeah. 70 minute songs that are just like one chord <laughs> of pain. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I uh, started editing the film, I'm still working on it, it will get finished. And But the book sort of splurged out in a big epic uh, Proustian rush. Yes. I had all the footage to remind me. Yeah. And photographs as well. So well, It must have been incredibly therapeutic, cathartic for you to go through it again in that yeah. way. Yeah, I mean... And it was stunningly beautiful. And because I finished... I think I did it the right way around. So I finished on the Cornish Coastal Path, which is rugged. <laughs> so, yeah, it's... Uh, you know, it's southern England, it's pretty flat generally, but that is a rugged coastline. You're oh, always yeah. going up and down. It's also very, very beautiful. Yeah. I kept having to stop and take photographs for Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, it's another beautiful bay. I've <laughs> <laughs> got bay fatigue. Damn it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so the book came out. I think people forget how uh, how Celtic Cornwall is. You know, yeah. As it pokes west into the Definitely. sea, you get back very much into incredibly rugged country. Yeah, maybe that's why the Celt... I don't know, I don't know the history of it, why well, the Celt... Relocated down there from the north. Of yeah, I think it's more that um, the Celts used to live everywhere, <laughs> yeah. and uh, that's the, the, the harder the um, uh, environment is, the uh, harder they were to uh, invade and overthrow. Yeah. So the whole uh, west of Britain, this is you know, this is why Welsh Wales is a different place to England. It's because yes. it's hilly. Yeah. You know, the Romans or whoever offer. It was just got too to much Wales trouble. Went, to yeah, I can't, can't do it. <laughs> Yep. So, you know, you, well done, you managed to invade the, the, the Cornish. <laughs> well, I, here's a funny thing. Running, I got to Hadrian's Wall halfway down the country. Yeah. And it's beautiful. I'd never seen it. I thought, wow, that's a proper wall. That's yeah. an actual proper wall. I can still see how amazing it's engineered. Yeah. But I really needed to pee. <laughs> so oh, did you, <laughs> did did you make your mark on Hadrian's Wall? <laughs> right, just one in the eye for the Romans. <laughs> From a Celt. <laughs> Brilliant. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You know, Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah. Ozzy Osbourne, I think it's Ozzy Osbourne, got arrested in America for weeing on the Alamo. Oh, on the Alamo, yeah. That's a step too far. Especially in a tooled up country like the States. Yeah, I just, I got the book out and, you know, publishers wanted it because nobody's written a book about running from John the Gross to Land's End. So I kind of got... And I got in on a bit of an up curve of running book-related books. Yeah. The shelves began to sort of fill out with... Well, it's a, you were riding that wave of people realising this thing existed, right? Yeah. But not just ultra-running, also, also like just marathon running, training and yeah. uh, trail running and all Running has got much more popular. I'd yeah. started running in 2008. All right. And I would say, in my first 10 years of running, I felt like... There were just lots of other people joining. Were, you know, runners out in the street around where I live just seemed to multiply uh, year on year. And that's before we even get to lockdown, which has yeah. certainly swelled our ranks. Although it's slightly frustrating to see the signs telling you you can only run between certain hours, but I kind of understand. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Especially as I'm not a morning person, so yeah. it's like the earliest run I've had for ages. Where's that, <laughs> where, where are these signs? Who, who's, who's forbidding this running? Uh, oh, it was uh, along the, the Thames Towpath, which oh, is a regular yeah. training route for me. Oh, gosh. Because yeah. it was, there were so many people walking, because that's all they could do in lockdown. Yeah, right. But it made sense to institute some sort of yeah. traffic system. I think there's a real logic to it, but the trouble is I think runners are a little bit... On the one hand, they're kind of disapproved of, and on the other hand, they can be quite... Um, they can sometimes... There's some very dodgy runners. Yeah, have a bit of a beeline, you know. Yeah. And uh, I think just to hope that... It's a bit like the poll tax being instituted because of the Napoleonic Wars. I think that <laughs> income tax, rather, yeah. we've still got it. So rules against runners might might uh, outlive any vestiges of the pandemic. But well, we'll find out. Not. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I don't know if anyone's done a study for how much breath you're generating and where it's going when you're running, but I suspect a runner is no more dangerous than somebody might pass walking. Yeah, I think you're probably He's right. in your presence for much longer. Well, that's it. going back to Woodbury Down, they say, you know, running is dangerous to the uh, to the bird life there. Yeah, that's, that's a better think, argument. I I'd really like to see the uh, science <laughs> Where's the on science that? behind it? 
That's uh, Lawrence Fishburne in Mission Impossible 3. You know what I would love? Yeah. I would love to see that intel. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, yeah, because I think that um, I really, I, I, I think that this is great uh, training because I'm genuinely excited about your new book. Hmm. And this is, you know, this is why we're here. And uh, we're just getting to the point in your story where inspiration strikes. And it features characters who've already been in today's story, if, if, I, if I have my facts right. Because you, you went to see Dean. Yes. Um, I, yeah, the, the genesis of the second adventure was I went to a book signing where Dean was launching a, a route to Sparta, but running a Sparta from. Yeah. And... So you can't say Sparta without saying Sparta. Sparta. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, basically, uh, uh, I was in a queue to have a book signed. Yeah. But I hadn't really organised. Uh, hadn't really fully. Oh, I don't, yeah, it's your, your story, so you didn't Well, that was forced. The thing is, I've always wanted to find a. I know there's another little bit of wood here, but I generally go up and then down. But oh, I'll show let's it to try you. Let's this, this is Paul's I have run down here to go. Alexandra Palace. Yeah. Uh, well, this will take us through Queenswood to Highgatewood, Highgate yeah. but it is a slightly longer route. But also, it's, again, another mention for my erstwhile brother in podcasting. <laughs> this is very much Paul's run. Ah, yes. Paul would want me to show you this. Um, <laughs> it's brutal, this bit. It's yeah, yeah. Quads. At least you're going down it. So, um, uh, yeah, so you were in the West End. You were in a queue to meet uh, yeah. Dean... Um, what's his name again? Dean Karnazes. Dean Karnazes, Road to Sparta. Yeah, and uh, I was right at the back, so it took a long time to get to the front. Meanwhile, my then-girlfriend, Aradna, is sort of scheming. She knows I want to do another adventure. Yeah. And she knows she'll be expected to support me <laughs> and come with me. But she doesn't want to do the Appalachian Trail and be in the backwards of, I don't know. Were you, were you thinking about that? Were you banging that one around? Well, because I was it. thinking, I don't know if you felt this, but for me, looking at your running history, there's a, there's a Bill Bryson-esque quality yeah. to your geographical choices. I do sometimes resist the, the beaten trail. <laughs> yeah, but also it's like, well, I've done Britain. Yeah. Now, and it's just a brilliant... Lo- uh, it's when you do something logical and, and then another person would say, well, what's logical about that? It's like, well, I run from one end of Britain to the other. That makes sense. In one way, it makes sense. In another way, it's insane. But were you considering doing the Appalachian Trail? Uh, yeah, it's the Pacific Crest Trail as well. The big American ones because yeah. they look so, they look rugged and challenging and epic <laughs> and so forth. But Aradna had other ideas. It's not unreasonable to expect Aradna to be by herself in a camper van in the, in the backwoods of Appalachia. Where people have been murdered on these trails, by the way. Oh, yeah. Right I mean, I've read the Bill Bryson book. It's not, it yeah. doesn't sound like we're doing a Wainwright. No, no, they've been tripwires put up for runners just for, just for, just for kicks. Wow. <laughs> that sort of thing. Anyway, yeah. um, she, she put America, me that idea. very killy. <laughs> but she thought, they well, Europe. Bears. Europe's, a, Europe's a more civilised country. Yeah. Well, <laughs> perhaps not, but... Uh, <laughs> Federation of countries. She thought, well, you could just run across Europe. She remembered the Orient Express, and that was the first to... Uh, Transcontinental railway line, right? Obviously for the super wealthy, but uh, and it went from Paris to Istanbul via amazing places like Vienna and yeah. uh, Budapest. So great place for a murder as well, the Orient Express. <laughs> yeah. So uh, <laughs> damn it, I messed up my. I wanted to do my joke, which is you ran the route of the Orient Express. That must have been murder. <laughs> you can use that. It was nearly murder. <laughs> it was near. It was nearly. Uh, 
well, I'm jumping ahead of it. Uh, yeah, so she was, it was her idea in the bookshop. By the time I got back from She was in the crime section looking at the Christie's. By the time I got back from the front of the queue, having met Dean, lovely guy, very encouraging, gave me about four or five minutes to chat. And then she said, Gavin, I've got it. You're going to run Europe. I went, what? That's a whole continent. Are you crazy? She said, it's not that far. Yeah. You can go the route of the Orient Express. Oh, that's the moment. That's the moment to quote. It's not that far. <laughs> but I think the distinction you're making that she was making, and, and you make it, is that you don't, you're not trying to run every it's bit of Europe across the coast. Miles. You're it's, following. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's not like running around the coast of Europe. <laughs> I'm crazy. It would be doing that for years. Yeah. It's, uh, so it's 2,300 miles. It's not following, that far. It's following the route of the Orient Express. Yeah. And... So that would probably, she calculated take us about 110 days. As it happened, she got it exactly right. Oh, wow. she's, I mean, she's a producer and entertainment uh, events manager. She knows, she's very good at these logistics. <laughs> these are kids playing in uh, Queenswood. Oh, yeah. But as we came in and I heard them, I just after, I thought they were going to trip us up and kill us. <laughs> it's the goat man! <laughs> a lord of the flies. No! Like yes. to our extravaganza. <laughs> so, yeah, so... I thought, well, that's, that sounds amazing. You know, yeah, that. yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I, I bought into it. And then I was slightly skeptical about her plan, though, because we couldn't afford to get hotels, and it would be impossible to know where to book, where I'm going to end up. And a lot of it was going to be fairly remote. So we decided to get a camper van. Uh-huh. It just so happened that my sister was selling a Mazda Bongo, which isn't really a camper van, but it's a... It's an eight-seater. Oh, so people carry our thing. It's a Mazda Bongo. I mean, the words are just. Yeah, it's the coolest named. It's even worse than that. It's actually called a Mazda Bongo Friendy. <laughs> Friendy. Friendy. <laughs> okay. It's a Japanese uh, import, and well, this is it. You know, this is anyone picking up your book, which is called Running the Orient, by the way. And it's not about running in East Asia, it's about <laughs> running the Orient Express yeah. and uh, route. And um, it's, uh, the cover is beautiful. It's called Running the Orient. And then you realise that the next thing you mention is your Mazda Bongo called Roxy. Roxy, yes. I mean, frankly, you had me at hello. <laughs> in all seriousness, you're on here to plug this book. And I don't know any of us who wouldn't think, oh, yeah, I've got to get me a bit of this. Because it's obviously a great... It was, I mean, I think... It was a great decision. You know, I've run Britain, I'll run Europe. It keeps that kind of nice distinction from the Durex, etc. you know? Yeah. And I think, don't trip, that's the worst tripping yes. oh. route in the whole <laughs> woods. Hazard. But I think even if you had just said, I ran that route, everyone's thinking, oh, this is a good story. But when you see your book and those kind of details, the kind of personal stuff about <laughs> the Mazda Bongo called Roxy, etc. Honestly, it's... Uh, it's yeah. a good invitation. I'm, well, I'm, see, I wanted to show that you know you can have a sort of domestic adventure, as much as that sounds like an oxymoron. <laughs> if you have a camper van that you've made your own home, it's got everything you need in it. Yeah. And it turn out you don't need that much, but you know, if you didn't have a toilet, so there's that. Yes. <laughs> or a shower. <laughs> so there's but that. It turns out that you know you can have a bucket bath in, yeah. in a little pop-up tent, and you can go out to the woods of the trowel. <laughs> <laughs> And, and it's fine. There's ways around it. Um, yeah. And Particularly if you're in countries without bears. Well, yes. <laughs> uh, or feral dogs, for that matter. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so we, we tried to make it as comfortable as it could be for her. And, you know, it was still a massive challenge because she had to uh, 
she had to, you know, find all the food I needed, so like 6,000 calories a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Water, somewhere to, somewhere to park up for the night, surreptitiously, because we're wild camping most of the time. Right, yeah, Which yeah. is mostly legal. Yeah, <laughs> and, and of course you can get away with it, but if you don't get away with it, that's real trouble, right? Yeah, but I have to say that we were only stopped once on the way there, and that was only by a couple of policemen, when we parked just on the, near the border to Romania. Two Hungarian policemen just wanted to see how long we were planning to stay. Right. He said one night. They went, yeah, no problem. <laughs> okay. So actually, oh, that's that, nice. that wasn't that wasn't a problem. Um, so yeah, although I'm out on the trail or out on the roads running all day every day, and she's got these challenges to do, we had a little home to come back to. That was. And were you running the same that 110 day thing? Is that 27 miles a day? Again? Well, I actually dropped it nearer to 20 for this one. Right. Not, yeah. Good. Not really deliberately, just so it happened, but. Here's the thing, dropping it just by that much, I got no injuries. Right. So far from blisters, I got nothing, nothing serious happened to me nothing at all. Nothing deep. Which is amazing, really. It is amazing. Um, so when was this? When did you set off? So I set off on, I think it was, uh, let me get this right, March the 30th of 2018. So just over three years ago. Now. Yeah. And I just finished yesterday. Oh, <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> uh, no, uh, so yeah, we started at what we thought was spring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. then we got the great beast from the east, or whatever it's called. Oh, of course, the beast Swept from the east. That was Siberia. really early on, wasn't it? Yeah, so. I think you've been going, what, a week? So it gets Even down less. to sub zero in the van. Yeah. The olive oil's turning into sort of glue. Oh, gosh. And this. There's frost on the inside of the window. Jeez. <laughs> uh, Reminds you of all things, uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but Nomadland. Yeah. It's yeah. dealing with the winter in the van. And, uh, have you ever seen the, what's it called, Into the Wild? That's another great one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it didn't end well for him. <laughs> <laughs> I had that in mind at various points. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, so I've never gone this route. Oh, uh, yeah, sorry. I just this is nice. Also doing the classic thing. Discovering. When it comes to thing to, to introduce you to a hill and ask <laughs> you a question at the bottom. <laughs> so it's good, isn't it? This are bit? we still in the Queenswood bit? Yes. yes right, okay. Although we did cross a road. So. I've been lost here many times yeah, trying to, to find a... Just, I don't know, always seem to get lost somehow. This is the direct route through. We just crossed it. I don't know where that comes out, but yeah. somewhere in the back of Crouch End. And then we loop around through the bit up here that... Um, the poor cause Jurassic Park, <laughs> and then you come pop out of the nice little cafe across the road from Highgate Wood. I do like having little uh, personal names for things, you know. Yes. Sort of runner, sort of secret language. Yeah. Even if it's only for yourself. <laughs> yeah. Completely. Um, yeah. When I first ran round, a little minor aside on that note, when I first ran round the medals in Edinburgh, when I was in my twenties with my flatmates, we called the three stretches of the medals. Uh, Look at this right. <laughs> the road to nowhere, <laughs> cross-eyed and painful. Nice. And the great curve after three talking, talking head songs. Of course. <laughs> Beautiful. I told you man, after my Well, cross-eyed and painful wasn't exactly <laughs> the title of the song, but it was more appropriate. It's close enough. Close enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> well, see, that's, that's a joke in my book, uh, Shoehorn, but it's good I say. Uh, I said that uh, cross-eyed and painless. It's a great song to listen to on a park run, <laughs> but if you end your um, park run cross-eyed and painless, you're probably running a bit yeah. too hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you probably fainted. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was inspired by the guy here, uh, um, Paul, met at training, 
a youngster who was really running hard in, in a track session. And this, uh, listeners will remember this story, but you won't know. And uh, Paul went over and said, you're right, mate. Because that's a very loose impression of Paul. And I guess I'm not the, the, concern. <laughs> the youngster said, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I just can't see. I thought we'd be back in a minute. Now, look, you see this bridge here. Yeah. I want to ask you, because this is a perfectly solid bridge that we'll do fine with. I want to ask you about the rickety bridge. Oh, yes, you saw the pictures. I yes. saw the pictures. That's and frankly, my whole family saw these pictures. Romania is one of the most fascinating countries I ran through. Yeah. And I have to say, it was never boring. <laughs> <laughs> I sometimes felt frightened for my life. Well, I often felt under attack by packs of feral dogs. Oh, my Lord. Yep. And I learned to carry a stick. Did they kind of follow you? Well, they would just jump out of the woods, like six packs God. of six dogs, randomly assorted, like an Alsatian... Uh, Cocker Spaniel, <laughs> you know, anything. Oh, yeah, because they were feral. They, they, yeah, so, well, so kind of like the thing which if you saw him in a Disney movie, you'd be like, oh, hi. Yeah, and then they take the hand off. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sure nine times out of ten they're not going to attack, but I had heard of stories of an old man and a small child being mauled to death. And, and also there was that arrest. runner in uh, North America somewhere who was attacked by a mountain lion. Oh, yeah. Did you hear yeah. that one? Yeah, I mean, you've got to story. respect the wildlife. So Yeah. I was told by locals, you should, you're not carrying a stick, where's your stick? Like, what are you talking about? I'm yeah. perfectly able-bodied, I don't need a stick. Yeah. <laughs> you just need a stick. You just need something to wave. <laughs> they just need to know that you're dominant. You know, you're basically you're the alpha dog, and yeah. they, they, they back away. But it is frightening having... Oh, God, yeah. I was once, I had 12, 12 separate attacks in the same day. Oh. <laughs> and it, it was terrible that day, because I didn't put this in the book. I think I forgot, but it might have been because I didn't want my readers to hate me. But <laughs> after 12 attacks... I'm running along this very quiet C or D road or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and out of the underbrush, two little dogs run at me yapping. Yeah. I've had enough. I pick up stones. My idea is to bounce one off the road. Yeah. In its general direction. Yeah. Which works, except for the stone, like a little bouncing bomb, bounces off the road, hits one of the dogs square between the four oh, between no, the eyes. Ideas. And at that point, I realised they're little puppies. Yeah. So I basically stoned a puppy. And were th was there an eye oh. going, oh my goodness. I felt very guilty. Yeah. They ran off into the woods, they were fine. But you didn't mean it. Maybe they learned a valuable lesson yeah. about humans, how horrible they are. <laughs> but yeah. But you're right, that's the kind of thing, you know, you're a filmmaker, Hollywood doesn't want to see that. No. Stoning puppies. <laughs> Don't phrase it that way. So it's, <laughs> it's funny you should say about carrying a stick to do with the dogs after what we were saying about. I love dogs, by the way. Actually, just, can I just interject? Yes, let's be clear. Let's be absolutely <laughs> clear. Um, it was just literally on the other side of the road where we go into the woods here. Yeah, let's do a loop. Where we turned right. There was a special moment in early in lockdown running when me and Paul were first running together again it, last year when we walked up that slope. And we met a lady with a stick. Oh, yeah. And she said, are you huffers and puffers? <laughs> and she said, I'll carry my stick to keep her, to keep her keep runners, away. runners at bay. <laughs> so, you know, some people say, yeah, honestly, I love feral dogs. And other people say, no, runners are great, but they will push um, fend them off with sticks. Yes. Well, there was that terrible case, wasn't there? The guy running over Putney Bridge, he was caught pushed on CCTV, pushed a woman in front of a bus. Right, and he never got done. I, I know. That was awful. I, I used to run that way looking out for him. Yeah, yeah. I could spot this guy. I reckon, I'll recognise his He just James wriggled out of it, didn't they? They knew exactly who he was. They didn't try hard enough. He was someone it. important, and he said, oh, it didn't happen, this didn't they? So it did happen. Yeah. You got away with it. Yeah, that just, just gives runners a bad name. Yeah. 
And they don't, you know, most of us are perfectly decent. Someone I'll did that. down and stop for anyone, even if they're right in my way and could easily have stepped out of the way. Well, everyone's got an equal right to the space, yeah. haven't they? And also, and sorry, runners, this is true. The faster you're going, the more responsibility you have because everyone has a responsibility to the slowest person. Yeah. Striding pedestrian has responsibility to the to the shuffling old person. Yeah. The runner has responsibility and to the... And the cyclist has responsibility to the runner. And the, and the driver has responsibility to the cyclist. <laughs> the cyclist exactly. That's the rule. Yep. I got in a row with a cyclist <laughs> on the towpath not long ago when the woman on the country lane, when she was stuck behind me, and she got past me and she said, you shouldn't be running. I was wearing my headphones. So, you know, full disclosure, I was listening to headphones. But then yeah. I saw her, stepped to the side. She said, you shouldn't be running in headphones. It's dangerous. I was like, it's only dangerous for me if you're a psychopath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the other thing is, um, and I found this along some, some country roads, not so much in Europe, but actually in, uh, in the Cotswolds, I have to say. Sorry, Cotswolds, but a large preponderance of uh, people who... Uh, don't seem to give much room for runners or cyclists up there. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's cultures that don't have that are basically car-based, doesn't yeah. it? People forget. But basically, I was thinking, you would give way if I was on a bike. Just you know when you said you love dogs? I just want to say that, that <laughs> I wasn't on a proper road. It was a little, yeah. a little gravel track, like a driveway, essentially, where I was in that woman's way listening to my headphones. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So, yeah, drives in the Cotswolds. Yeah, they just... They don't respect the runner. I find they didn't, they didn't always get out of the way at all. I'm yeah. pushing myself into hedges and things. That's <laughs> Surely if I was a bicycle, you wouldn't run me over. So and the funny thing is you do get used to it, any more space than a bicycle. No, and it's, it's local <laughs> culture. I find this uh, unusually... Um, the cars I think don't own the roads. They don't. No, they there's don't. No, there's no evidence. I mean, motorways, yes. You can't run down a motorway. No, right. Dual carriageways, best avoided. And I cycled, I cycle across um, London quite often. And I find that when you get out into into Kensington and there's huge you know the cars are expensive and there's loads of people running in the park and suddenly it gets very factional yeah and uh when you're on the road you got I had that there where cars are like on the bike they're trying to push you off the road it's like I'm cycling <laughs> I'll tell you what else I'm going pretty fast and you're in a city so if you're stuck behind me that's fine tough yeah you, know, you, <laughs> you should have had more time for your journey it's like a car chase suddenly and you wouldn't get this around where I live out in Kensington the bumper of the car is coming up against the back wheel of the bike you know so you're going to knock me off my bike just so you can get to wherever you're going 10 seconds earlier anyway I should, I should have top rephrased that as a running <laughs> story because runners are going oh, cyclists can look after themselves <laughs> Well, you know, we all have grumpy stories, and there's probably a few, probably a few dri drivers with grumpy stories about cyclists who, yeah, yeah, who just won't won't pull over and just cycle down the middle of the road. Exactly, and as a cyclist, <laughs> I always stop at the lights. And yeah. Sometimes oh, God, yeah. you cycle and you stop at I've the lights. I've been run over many and times. And then you pull by, away uh, at the lights, and then a little loop. A cyclist uh, comes out in front of you because they're jumping the lights. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, so you're in sorry meanwhile you're in Romania <laughs> by beating your feral dogs mm. with sticks mm. and I wanted to know about the rickety bridge yes well brilliant by the way no, I'm interrupting us again <laughs> you just uh, took on board some liquids from your hydration yes pack. I wondered I noticed that you didn't have any <laughs> yeah yeah oh um I like to stop off at the Victorian well uh, but I nice. suspect it may not be running <laughs> I always like to go past that that well very good um anyway uh Oh, I've lost the thread now. Oh, well, Rickety Bridge. Rickety, Rickety bridge. bridge. Well, it then was just a route on the map. Like, yeah. I use Google Maps. Now, Google Maps doesn't distinguish between <laughs> something that's called a road and something that actually is a road. Yes. So, 
it marked us as a possible route for me. And I came up on this thing. It's basically a sort of loose scattering of planks thrown across a couple of skimpy metal bars over a torrential river. Honestly, <laughs> you, there is no exaggeration here. I've seen the pictures. It's, got, it's only got a handrail on one side, and the handrail <laughs> is a joke. Yeah. It's like a twiggy wisp. You could, you could, you could sneeze on it and yeah. fall in the river. And the whole thing's rickety like something on the Universal Studios tour. Yeah. And there's a patch on it where well, a couple of gaps. they've yeah. clearly fixed it, <laughs> and the fixings look rickety and old. I showed it to my kids today, and they were like... No, no. Yeah, didn't go across health that. and safety isn't hasn't yet happened in Romania. <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't happened. Uh, but that's fine. What about food in Romania? Uh, well, <laughs> I have to say we're mostly fueled by little, which exists almost everywhere. But right. uh, I did try. We did uh, at one point when my dad came over briefly to take over support for a couple of weeks because Aradna had to go back and look after her gran. Right. Oh. So my dad, my 78-year-old dad came over <laughs> yeah. to Romania. Now, but he doesn't really travel. He's nice not been sequel, any further. Tim, scrambling the air exactly. force to find you in Scotland. <laughs> so he'd not been anywhere further afield than Switzerland, really. <laughs> so this was a massive eye-opener. He was driving around on the wrong side of the road. Just people driving like crazy. So there's, there's dogs. There's everything. Anyway, yeah. uh, I've lost. What was, what was I saying? Yeah, he came to collect you around the time of the rickety bridge. Yeah. He was looking after you rather than Aradna. Yeah, and um, uh, oh, what was the... I was, I was Is your dad in Romania? Had something yeah, you were definitely going to... Well, <laughs> my dad was, uh, not, was not used to this, and so we ended up in the Carpathian Mountains. <laughs> uh, Which aren't fictional, by the way. Yeah. Despite the fact that they are feature heavily in Dracula. And, and honestly, it really does have that atmosphere. It's yeah. just like dense, dark, it's dripping, it's, there's craggy rocks, there's... Uh, is the photo, is the cover bears. of your book in the Carpathians? Yeah, that's the Carpathians. Yeah, yeah. I was actually just having crested the 67C, which is called the Transalpina. Yeah. It's a very popular route with uh, motorbike tourers, actually. <laughs> uh, Did they stick clear of you? They were nice, actually. Oh, that's good. They're decent guys and ladies. I sort of roared past every so often, usually waving or shouting something. Yeah, yeah, Hopefully yeah. something encouraging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, if you've all seen a runner or there a cyclist... There was a lot of beeping, actually. Supportive at first beeping. I thought the beeping... In Germany, sometimes I thought the beeping was mean. But actually, I think most of the beeping was encouragement. I think the further you get from Britain, the more friendly beeping becomes. Yeah, they know that they're, you're doing something odd, and they're like, hey, hello. Just use it as a way to say hello. Yeah. <laughs> as, uh, as many, the back of an Indian vehicle says, yeah. horn okay, please. <laughs> yeah. Please welcome me. Yeah, give, give us a hoot. Let's just know you're there. Just to say you're there, yeah. And, yeah, and so <coughs> I was worried about bears, because I'd heard they were... <coughs> should get you some water, but uh, I think we may have gone past the. Uh, yeah, we passed the well, the well. in the woods oh, there somewhere. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's what I was uh, yeah, so I was worried about bears because I'd heard there were 6,000 brown bears, and I imagined they were all in the, obviously just around me. Uh, yeah, yeah, time. just waiting. Just waiting to have a snack. I can imagine that if, uh, depending on the timeline here. The, the feral dogs are going to... If you've heard that there's bears and you keep getting attacked by dogs, it's going to put you on edge, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And uh, everything I'd read about bears wasn't encouraging. It's like, what do you do if you're attacked by a bear? It's basically fall down and hope for the best. Yeah, that yeah, seems yeah. to be the best advice. Cover your face. I think sometimes when they say play dead, they kind of mean, you know, just expect to be dead. <laughs> if you're not dead by the end of the encounter, you've done well. But actually, generally, they're fairly timid. They... If they hear humans coming, they 
pretty much lumber out the way. They don't really want to have that many encounters with humans. There's a terrifying anecdote in uh, the uh, Bill Bryson book. What's the one? In, a Walk in the Woods. Yeah. Um, where he, where he talks about um, tourists putting honey on their little kid's hand to, you know, so that the bear can lick it oh, off. Yeah. It doesn't end well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, that's perhaps getting rather too friendly with our, our yeah. fine morning, colleagues. Morning, but, uh, morning, 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 morning. Four magpies. I just developed a strategy of singing very badly as I came around a bend because yeah. I was, it was advised if you could, like, sing or whistle or something. So they know you're coming and they just get out of the way. Did you still use Talking Heads or did you take another <laughs> band's cannon? I made a, made a song, actually. I made up a song called Please Don't Eat Me, Mr. Bear. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, it's like uh, I'm stringing in Scottish and I taste the poo or something. It's a very juvenile song. <laughs> but basically, the, the very silliness of it kept my spirits up yeah, and uh, stopped me panicking about bear attacks. But I didn't see any. And then I started feeling disappointed. I was like... I wanted to see a bear. I feel <laughs> on the other side of a river, yeah, yeah, yeah. busy fishing, but so I didn't see any bears. <laughs> I had that um, experience when I was uh, driving, so no, 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 no adventure in this. Driving around Sweden and Finland, and we kept saying every day where we went, and new people we stayed with. So I really want to see an elk, and people would always give you this look and shake their heads because if you're driving. And you see an elk, you know, chances are yeah. it's suddenly in front of you in the middle of the road. Yeah. And if you hit an elk in your dangerous. car, yeah. the elk beats car. <laughs> yeah, that's a, lot of, that's a lot of deer. Yeah, that's right. So, so you really didn't want to see that. No. I did see elk in the end, and they were and just Apparently, the animal that kills most Australians is the kangaroo. <laughs> wow. I heard this because they have a tendency to leap across roads at great speed and get hit. Yeah, Obviously. yeah. No. <laughs> well, you know, they're bound to. Oh, I don't know if that wordplay no. really works. But oh. <laughs> so, um, how far, when you get through the mean streets of the Carpathians, yeah. how far are you from Istanbul there? So I mean, still much further to go? I think that was about uh, maybe between two-thirds and three-quarters of the way. Um we're not really measuring. We're sort of like, we're measuring only in the sense that we like to see enough of a gap between where we are and where we're going yeah, on the map. Yeah, forward motion is all you need. But really, we're not, we're not, we're not setting any targets at that point because I know myself too well. I'm going to have days where I struggle to do a half marathon. Oh yeah, blue break. Yeah, let's do it. Running, Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.